Welcome to Walking with Freya, a journey through special needs parenting. This podcast is a place for parents and caregivers of children with special needs to share stories, the very real struggles and challenges we face, along with the inevitable love and joy these children have brought into our lives. This is a place for unapologetic honesty, well-intentioned laughter, and endless support. A safe place for us to learn, share, discuss, and help each other navigate this often unexpected journey. Be kind, be supportive, and when you can, keep the humor. My name is Annie, and welcome to Walking with Freya. Hey there, friends. So I'm going to apologize up front for my voice. I've been sick and dealing with allergies, and uh, just bear with me. We'll try and keep this brief. So many of you know that I love sharing fun and exciting resources with you all, and that's what I have for you today. I have a conversation with a woman about using improv to teach social and emotional learning. But first, before we get to Maya, let's talk some exciting housekeeping. So the writing journal is finished, woohoo! and the copies are on their way to me. The writing journal is There's Joy to Be Found Here, and this is a writing journal for parents and caretakers of children with special needs, and it's a way to process and write about your experiences and your feeling and uh, the emotions and, and all the aspects of this journey, and hopefully to find some clarity and some acceptance and work your way through difficult, uh, difficult aspects of this journey and, and think of all the, the, the joyful aspects of it as well. So if you ordered a, if you pre-ordered a book through GoFundMe, through the GoFundMe campaign, I will be sending those out shortly after I receive the shipment. If you did not have a chance yet to order a copy, but you would like to, then you can visit the bookstore page of my website at annfricky.com backslash bookstore, and I'll put a link in the show notes. If you would like a copy of the writing journal, but you can't meet the $30 price tag, no worries. During the GoFundMe campaign, some very generous friends were gracious enough to pay for copies to be donated. If you are someone who would like the book and you need a sliding scale price, which is 0 to 30 whatever you can afford, then please email me at walkingwithfrey at gmail.com. Tell me a little about yourself, your child, and leave your address. And depending upon the amount of responses, hopefully everyone who contacts me can be accommodated. So please reserve these for those people who really need the discount or the donation. I am a one-woman show, and uh, I'm really happy that I get to offer some free copies or discounted copies, but, um, yeah, there, there is a limit to that. So, um, yeah, just get in touch with me and we'll figure it out. So if you have a group of parents or friends and caretakers who maybe want to go in together for a bulk rate, let me know. I'll give discounts for four or more copies. And if you live in the Northern California area and are perhaps interested in my leading a group session, email me uh, to discuss the options and the details. I've done a local workshop in my area and I really enjoyed it. It was very inspiring and and I would love to do more. So uh, if you're interested, let me know. 
basically, you can email me with any questions at thewalkingwithfreya at gmail.com email address. And while we're on the subject of contacting me, I am always looking for more interviews. So if you are open to sharing your story, we'd love to hear it. And I'm especially looking for interviews in the Prada Worley world in preparation for PWS Awareness Month in May. It will be my third month hosting a podcast. Uh, I'm sorry, my third year hosting a podcast for the month. And since that is my daughter's diagnosis, I hold a special place in my heart for that month. So I usually do it up. I come out every week with an interview and it's a lot of work, but it's totally worth it. And so, yeah, I need some interviews. Now, that brings me to the next exciting update. I'm really excited. I am hosting, in collaboration with Ask Midwife 707 podcast, a live recorded podcast. I have listened to other podcasts that have done this, and it always seems like a really fun idea. And uh, this started just recently. And I have asked Laura, who is the host of Ask Midwife 707, uh, to, to do it with me. She is one of my dearest friends and she was one of my first podcast guests and we are coming together April 26th in Arcata, California to record our podcast in front of a live audience. There's a lot to figure out, especially on the, the technical side. Um, so <laughs> we got a lot of work to do, but it's going to, it's going to be amazing. And so I'm kind of advertising this as an opportunity for inclusion. So this is an event where all members of the community can come together and listen to stories from community members who are raising children with special needs. So this is a time and a place for those of us who maybe don't feel seen or heard in this community to step up and take that mic and really let people know uh, your story. Let let everybody know what's up. Let them know you're here. We're here. We're in this community, and uh, this is what's happening. So this is an open mic for anyone who is comfortable with sharing their story live. And uh, to people who are, are willing to listen and who perhaps don't know so much about the families in this community raising children with special needs. So, um. Yeah, I think that's going to be great. And on Laura's end, she will be taking questions about pregnancy and birth and midwifery. And Laura is an amazing woman, and she is uh, she's a wealth of knowledge in many aspects. And she also is a, is a deeply spiritual woman who has had some really intense experiences in her life. She could, she speaks about about grief and death and and uh, you know battling cancer and. She's just a very powerful woman, and she's also very funny, and her and I crack each other up. So I think it'll be a really entertaining event as well as, I hope, inspiring and enlightening. So uh, I will have some pre-planned speakers to come up. So if you'd like to be one of those, then you can email me, or you can just plan on showing up April 26th at Septentrio Tasting Room, which is at 656th Street in Arcata, and... Once we get through the speakers and the questions, then you can have your chance on the mic when we open it up to the audience. We haven't officially set a time yet, but I imagine we'll start around 3 or 4. It's a Sunday afternoon. I think it's a great time to do it. And I think this could be a great way to finish out Autism Awareness Month and then ring in PWS Awareness Month. And for those of you who are not local, you will 
get to hear the recorded version when I put it out in May. Okay, so enough business other than to say, please tell a friend about the podcast, leave a rating and a review, tell your friends about the writing journal, mark your calendar for April 26th, and get in touch with me about any or all of this. Now, let's hear more about Maya Watkins. Maya Watkins founded the nonprofit Zip Zap Zop Enrichment. She is a social-emotional learning specialist, using improv to help teach social skills and communication in inclusive settings. She has recently published a book entitled The Brain's Playground, Using Improv Games to Teach Social and Emotional Learning. In our conversation, she spoke about the work that she does, some of the games she uses, and shares some of the successes as well. Maya has a brother with autism and speaks about how that influenced her understanding of this work. And this book, I think, would be a fantastic resource in any classroom or group looking for ways to encourage positive and healthy communication and to help kids of any background or ability to further their social skills. So I definitely encourage you to check it out. And you can find a link in the show notes or at zipzapzopenrichment.com. In the interview, Maya does say zipzapzopenrichment.org, but I went and checked it out, and I typed that in, but it just took me to the .com address. So I believe it's .com, but you could type in either one, and you'll get there. So I'm sorry this episode is a day late. Uh, I've been sick and dealing with allergies, and my kids are home from school for a week, so there have been many distractions. So again, please remember to to review the podcast, leave a rating, check out the bookstore on my website. There's also these little hand-painted outlets that my daughter is starting to do. She is trying to save up to buy a car, and she is in orchestra, and she's in drama, and so she's she's very busy, so she doesn't have time yet to get a job. Um, she's also taking like honors classes, and she works really hard at school, and uh, so this is a a great way for her to to raise money and she is a talented artist so anyway <laughs> that's if you're wondering what the if you do go check out the bookstore um there's you know my novels and poetry books and then these painted light switch covers which that's the story behind that anyway the first the first listing is the writing journal so um yeah i got off track anyway <laughs> check all that out. Get in touch with me about any of this and definitely check out zipzapzopenrichment.com to learn more about Maya and her team and the, the fantastic work that they are doing in the world. And as always, thank you all for being here. All right. Well, Maya, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk about your new book and the work that you do. So um, if you would just go ahead and start by introducing yourself um, and and the work that you do. Great. Yes. Um, so my name is Maya Watkins. I founded a nonprofit about four years ago now that teaches improv uh, and comedy in inclusive settings. I started as a behavioral therapist and realized a lot of what I was doing with children, uh, all children of all abilities, but focusing on kids with autism, uh, tended to be really robotic and not as natural as improv 
and improv games were allowing me to be when I was studying improv simultaneously. So I saw this amazing connection between using improv games with uh, children with some without special needs inclusively and just amazing social connection, which, you know, led me to found the nonprofit and become a social emotional learning specialist in schools, which then kind of led me last two years to write this book called The Brain's Playground, Using Improv Games to Teach Social and Emotional Learning. How does it look when you go into a classroom or a group setting and you, because you, don't you have, you have kids, some kids that are nonverbal, right? Yeah. Some that are verbal all across the spectrum, right? So it's really cool. The opportunities I've been given the last few years are a few things. So I go into full school classrooms, like 25, you know, plus kids who are, it's an inclusive class. So it's children with autism, children neurodiverse, children neurotypical, all together, you know, in their first grade class, for example. And I do improv with that group. And we focus on different goals within social emotional learning. Like last week, I did a whole uh, extra, like a whole uh, curriculum on empathy. And I used improv games to, to discuss empathy and also practice empathy using the games. But within those classes, there are kids who maybe have other goals and behaviors that are being worked on or they do have the diagnosis of autism so later that week i'm i have the opportunity to pull kids out and do small groups within schools where i teach social skills um very specifically with maybe a group of five kids and they might be needing that extra attention with social emotional learning but also lastly uh, because we're a nonprofit and we're growing we do weekend classes, you know, with children on the spectrum. Again, always open to inclusion. The way we market is very much like this class is for all kids who are seeking social skills. And I, I, it's really important with this journey of inclusion to word it a very special way because we're not quite there yet in society where, you know, a, a parent with a child who maybe is nonverbal would feel 100% comfortable just signing their kid up for a class that they don't know is open to that. And so that class has a range of children who are verbal, nonverbal, children who don't even have, you know, a diagnosis necessarily, but they're working on social skills. So that class is pretty beautiful. And right now it's held in South Pasadena. I love it. Yeah. It's an awesome class. (laughs) It just sounds so fun and so intuitive. Like, I, I don't know, just when I when I saw this, I was like, yeah, of course, like kids learn through games, you know, m- most people know that, especially if they're parents, and uh, I mean, just what a, what a beautiful thing to bring to the community, and, I, and I love that it's open to everybody. Yes, definitely. So, so this book that you have out, this is uh, just Can you talk about the book a little bit? Yeah, definitely. So there's this awesome, wonderful man (laughs) named uh, James Partington, and he is a huge uh, influencer, and he he studied uh, autism back in the day when there really wasn't very many opportunities for families to get uh, behavioral therapy and whatnot. So he created a whole system of teaching 
kids with autism, social skills, and behavioral intervention. So he is, he has about 40 books out about uh, behavioral therapy, and he just, he's this really incredibly, you know, distinguished man. And he got a hold of this project of using improv, and he really loved it. So he decided to publish the book, The Brain's Playground, Using Improv Games to Teach Social Emotional Learning. And he he kind of came on board as this is such a great tool for all teachers, all therapists, all parents to apply with their, with their individuals they're working with. Um, and it involves about a year-long research project that I teamed up with a professor, a college professor who was really interested in my work. Uh, and we started documenting the success stories with the kids that we were working with. And her background is in uh, behavioral therapy as well. She's a you know, as her master's in special education. And then with the, um, the research project, as well as 50 of my improv games that I've kind of tweaked and, you know, fine-tuned for children of all abilities, we started writing this book together. She kind of just was pulling the information out of me and applying it in a therapy sense. And then we added theory and ways to maybe take data on this social-emotional learning that's more open-ended and less strict and robotic, like I was mentioning before with, with ABA therapy, for example. It can be really, I have nothing against any therapy, and, and I actually want to add to therapies. I don't want to take away from anything, but I do believe that there's something to say about being more natural when teaching life skills and social skills. So that's all kind of documented in the book. Nice. And this is a book that teachers can get or parents, people that have, like say, people that have no experience doing improv or anything like that. Is this something that is accessible for anybody or? Yes. Yeah, definitely. I made sure to define improv and what the history of improv is and also what social emotional learning is. And then intend to get at least the goal is to have each game be able to be played with examples and for all for all people definitely not just someone who knows improv I I'm a something that I also never want to fall in a trap of is this is a social skills class using improv it's not like an acting class it's not a you don't I don't that's not the the goal is <laughs> not to make little actors <laughs> at all. It's to help with social skills. And of course, if they want to, you know, act, that's great. But that's not my expertise at all. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, well, but I, I did read that you went to Second City in LA, right? That's yes. I should clarify. I did, I did study improv and I did study theater. But when it comes to teaching, I'm definitely, uh, that's where the social skills becomes really exciting for me. Yeah. I'm not necessarily, like, I'm not a director or anything like that. But yes, I did study a lot of improv. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, and I think Second City is a name that a lot of people know. Uh, yes. I heard it. I was like, City. oh, okay, I know, I know what that is. Um, yeah. So I think the blending of the two is, um, is really exciting. Can you give us an example of maybe one of one of the games that you really like or that you have a lot of success with? Like how yeah. You uh, there's this one game that's called Gift Exchange that I would give an imaginary gift to the person sitting by me, and I play it 
two ways. So for example, if the goal of that kind of day is to work on going with the flow and flexibility, I might give a silly gift that maybe the person sitting by me wouldn't even want, like an old bowl of spaghetti. And then that person sitting by me would say, thank you, or I have various ways to work with children who are nonverbal with this game, but just in the sense that the before the adaptations began, the game would be like, thank you, and then they would tell me what they would do with this gift. Like if it's an old bowl of spaghetti, I'll go uh, put this in the garden or something like you just make it up on the spot and you go with the flow and then you give the person sitting next to you and you continue giving these silly gifts going with the flow saying thank you practicing tone of voice you know using kind tone of voice and that's one way I play but another way I play is actually thinking genuinely like thinking truly what the person next to you might actually enjoy so it's more of an empathetic kind of version of playing the game, more of a thinking about other people's interests and not just your own. So I played that recently in a class and this one boy who's on the spectrum was given a shark by another child because the boy on the spectrum, he truly loves sharks. Like that wasn't, you know, an out of the blue, it was a, it was a thoughtful gift in the sense that he loves sharks. But he got really upset. He's like, no, sharks are too big. That would be too big to put in my head. Like, he got really set on, oh. and this is like a fourth grader. He's like, no, that is so inappropriate. He was telling this other, he was basically yelling at this other kid for giving him a shark, which led into a beautiful discussion of like, well, what kind of shark are you giving? Like, think about letting that friend of yours clarify what kind of, like, and then he's like, I'm giving him a stuffed animal shark. And then it's like, then... <laughs> the boy was like, okay, that works. Thank you. <laughs> and like, it's just like, it was a beautiful way of practicing so many social skills that we kind of run into every day. Uh-huh. That, that's one of my favorites. And that's called Gift Exchange. And that's in the book with 49 other games. <laughs> okay. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. So there's a, <clears throat> so there's a wide range. Yeah. And they all kind of go into different categories with social emotional learning. So there's about, there's relationship skills, social awareness, self-awareness, uh, self-management, and responsible decision-making are like the five core competencies. Um, I don't even know if I said them all. I have social emotional learning. And then the games back up the different competencies. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Sounds, sounds like a, a fabulous resource. Um, so do you have any, I mean, do you work with kids with uh, varying uh, physical abilities as well? Is it? Yeah, definitely. It's the, the, the goal of this program is to work off a child's needs, strengths, reaching their highest potential. So it would never be, just never be a program that would ever deny a child. Instead, it's an opportunity for the teacher to learn and be creative with a child's need. Yeah. So was there, was there like a defining moment that you kind of made this connection between uh, your improv and your work with um, kids with, you know, learning social skills or behavioral skills? Was there like some defining moment or did it just always kind of make sense to you or how did it? Yeah, I have a brother with autism and we are all, <laughs> you know, we have a lot of 
I have a lot of siblings. I'm middle of five. And in a lot of ways, we kind of forced my brother without meaning to, to practice and be uncomfortable in situations socially because we were all very sarcastic or very, you know, we just, we pushed his limits quite a lot. And I think he's evolved and we've learned from him as well. So then I meet these kids that are maybe like, don't have siblings and are nonverbal and, or they do have siblings, but they're not maybe, you know, maybe just one other sibling that's busy with their own thing. So they're not necessarily around these interesting social interactions all the time, the way my brother was. And I think it really benefited my brother. So I wanted to just create more inclusive opportunities for, for children so they could benefit from practicing social skills naturally. And then when I was doing ABA therapy with this one specific kid back in the day, I remember just feeling really like, un, like the emotion was taken out of the, the practice. And I just mm. felt really like cold, like, like it was a cold way of teaching different social skills and I felt like the child felt it too and he just really wasn't given very many opportunities to apply things that he was learning so that was while I was taking improv class so that was probably the biggest epiphany because it was very simultaneous. So what are some success stories or what are some stories that stand out of you know maybe kids coming in in the beginning of of a session and and really getting to see them blossom and kind of yeah there's a lot so there's one just currently I'll just go to the most current one because it's been really beautiful is this child who's limited verbal who I want to say about six weeks ago started taking the class and really had it seemingly a hard time uh with imagination and imaginative play and they're about 12 years old. And so they're taking this class and some of the games you get to kind of be characters or you get to, you practice not being yourself. And the first few weeks, whenever they were given the opportunity to think of a name or a different job they might have or background, uh, this specific individual would point to other people in the class and just become that person, which was a good step. It was like, like I am Maya and I teach improv. Like, like they were just being me, for example, versus thinking of a, a completely random imaginary person. And then just a couple of days ago, for the first time ever, they independently said their name was Mimi <laughs> and it's not Mimi. And they, so they made up a name and they made up a job of construction and they like it was like this whole it's this fun game called monster that we play and which is actually not in the book I should clarify I have 50 games in the book but I have about another 50 I couldn't put in the book yet (laughs) so we were playing that game and it was like it brought like tears to my eyes because it was just this little light bulb moment of like oh like we can pretend together and like that's really important. Aww. There's just a lot of areas that we as adults use our imagination without us even realizing it. Like empathy in so many ways is imagination because you don't really know for a fact how someone is feeling or perceiving, but you try to understand that as much as possible. So mm-hmm. it was a really cool moment. And it literally was just a few days ago. Oh, 
Yeah, yeah I bet awesome. you have a lot of really uh, beautiful moments that inspire you and are just, you know, it seems like a very rewarding work. <laughs> oh, very rewarding. I'm very thankful that I found something I love so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's great. Um, yeah, there's so many, like I could go on. Something I tend to do is ramble. So I'm practicing right now my social skills, <laughs> not rambling. But if you, there's definitely like numerous stories. And luckily every improv game in the book uh, comes with a success story. It's like, a, oh, like nice. this game was played and this is what happened during that time one day. So that's the cool thing about the way the games are set up in the book is it comes with the directions um, adaptations for physical, limited verbal, nonverbal, plus a true story, and then like which social skill it's working on, and then questions you can ask yourself as a teacher, or you can ask your the kids you're working with. Uh huh. Oh, that's great. I love the success stories with it. Yeah. Is this something that parents could get and work with their kids kind of one on one, or is it more for a group? It's. For both, for sure. There's definitely games where I think it's probably more successful if you had a few kids or more of a group, but then a lot of them can be adapted with one-on-one. I really like to say improv is truly that. It's improv. So these games are just guidelines in a lot of ways. Like you can throw out the directions out the window and just kind of be inspired by the intention of the game and then do your own version of the game. I feel like it's something I try to get across in the book uh, a lot of just like, this is like, if you're in the moment and you're playing gift exchange and it turns into a completely different game where everyone's, I don't know, giving each other, trying to remember each person's gift, for example, like that was given, then it turns more into like a memory listening game. Like, Mm -hmm. fine, like go for it. Just Mm -hmm. go with it. Yeah. Now I'm just at a place with, the nonprofit and the book of just trying to spread the message, spread the word and grow and also grow the improv movement. Like a dream of mine would just be to inspire other people to kind of do this, this work as well. And they can, there's a lot of ways to do it. The book is definitely one of the ways to learn, but even just like online, there's tons of improv games you can adapt and just get your mind around using improv and I want to implement this in more schools that's that's probably the biggest dream because right now it's not in very many schools yet the specific approach I created but the schools we are in are having such great success of like the improv in the inclusive class in the small group and then also this added element of recess uh like I'm hired to also go in during recess and if I see a child who looks alone or I see a child who I do know maybe is on the spectrum, maybe spinning in circles and having a hard time connecting with peers during recess, I get to go up and start like a little improv game with a group. And then I kind of walk away and let the social skills take off. And that's been so rewarding because it's taking improv out of the classroom and actually using it as a tool in life to help connect. And like, Mm -hmm. then I get to walk away and then I see a child who maybe would have just sat alone at recess the whole time, now playing naturally with their friends. That's a big thing I wanted to mention, just because it's kind of a newer development with the program. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. 
I love it. Yeah. Like, so it's, yeah, I'm literally doing that today. <laughs> Later today, that's, that's one of my Monday goals. I go to a Larchmont Charter School and I, I do this kind of work. So today will be a lot about that recess social skills. Uh-huh. Perfect. So yeah, yeah, I should I should clarify you are in Southern California, right? Yes. Yes. So you I am. You, I'm in... you go into the schools there. What yeah, more specifically. It's all I I'm up in Humboldt County, so it's all, like it's all kind of Southern California. <laughs> so maybe Yes. <laughs> yes. So I'm in more I'm in Los Angeles and um my family's actually in the Bay Area, so I've been always trying to implement more there. And then Humboldt County. I know a lot of people from there too, yeah. <laughs> but I could go on. Um, but yeah, the, the dream would definitely be to be implementing this in more school settings, more therapy settings and doing more professional development type work. Uh-huh. And maybe, um, do you think about kind of traveling and maybe training people in different areas? Is that? Yes, definitely. That's a dream for sure. I'm starting to a little bit, but now that the book is officially out, I'm hoping, yeah, to open more doors for that. Yeah. Have there been any schools that you kind of go into regularly that you really get to see kind of this long-term development? Have you- yeah, definitely. There's Larchmont Charter in Los Angeles has helped kind of believed in me way before I even had, you know, the documentation to back it up. So it's been pretty cool because now a lot of the kids that I started working with in like, you know, first grade, kindergarten, our fourth graders. And so it's cool now to see just what's been happening with them and like the little epiphanies they've been making over the years that have evolved. And, and it's pretty special. It's pretty powerful mm-hmm. in the sense that children who were maybe basically fully nonverbal in first grade are now making connections and verbalizing more than they were before and I'm never gonna say that I'm like the sole reason but I do feel like the collaboration with the therapists and the teachers and the improv have helped a lot. Mm -hmm. Well and I imagine it really helps them to form stronger bonds even working with each other in that way. Yeah trust and building rapport and just uh, applying social skills and having all that time to practice so now that they are being put in situations at recess or after school, they're already kind of prepared from the discussions from the improv classes, which has been really cool. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So I have, a, well, this is a random question about improv, but when you were talking about uh, kind of what improv can do, I was just thinking about kind of where um, we are <laughs> politically in this country, and I'm wondering if if improv yeah. would be something that could help people speak kindly to each other in political oh, yeah. realms. <laughs> I feel like improv helps so much again with empathy, so much with perspective taking, and so much with tone of voice that I could only imagine it would help with what's going on right now. Like even that little example with the shark and the, the toy shark versus the real shark. There's so much happening in that exchange. There was miscommunication. There was jumping to conclusions. There was tone of voice. There was, it was very angry. (laughs) There was, there's a lot going on with that little exchange about the the gift exchange. 
game, but it's like on a bigger scale, if we're kind of forced to practice with something light and comedic, then when we're being faced in a more serious direction, we already have maybe trust with one another. We already have practiced some of those skills. We also build that rapport. So much of what's happening right now is a forgetting that we're people and forgetting that we're all on the same planet uh-huh. <laughs> and, and it's like so oh yeah it's just it's pretty a pretty upsetting that it always takes someone going through a personal situation for you to feel empathetic or understanding so you hear like like what's going on with like and I won't get too into it but I mean I live in LA I have friends of all different backgrounds and when it comes to like what's happening with like immigration and whatnot it's just like the second you meet someone from a background that maybe wants to be here in America to escape situations it's you understand you start just understanding each other way more Uh and it's like it's conversation and it's trust and it's safe spaces to talk so that would be really cool <laughs> if improv could be used as a tool to create safe space. Oh, God, that would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we, we need more of that. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is um, maybe uh, like a personal interest question of mine, but um, do you think that you would have gotten into the realm of, of behavioral therapy or working with kids with special needs if you hadn't um, been raised with a brother on the autism spectrum? Like how much did that influence your direction? Oh, I influenced it greatly for sure. Like a hundred percent, a huge part of my drive. But I do think that it also came from uh, communication. I'm a really maybe because of my brother, maybe because of other things, I, I tend to, like I was saying, ramble, but like overly communicate. And like, if there's a, if there's something happening, I want to like get to the bottom of it and clear the air. And I notice with people with special needs, often, you know, we make these assumptions about how they're feeling or goals or things they like to do versus like really just figuring out a way to communicate with them and vice versa. So I think that on top of having a brother who had limited verbal for a long time and is very stuck in his, his brain and has been having to break down barriers to connect, it's made me pull communication out of him. So therefore I've learned about the way he thinks and I don't, and then it's a vice versa thing so it's like I also can communicate differently to reach him so that two-way street of communicating like I can learn how you communicate and try to match that and also you can learn how I communicate and you try to meet me in the middle so it definitely came from Zach and then also from realizing like even with my husband like when we started you know dating nine years ago we kind of we made a pact with each other like if there's an issue let's like talk it out to the death (laughs) and and like we do that and we like I I definitely think we have our own issues but we talk things out to the death (laughs) so improv is a way to communicate and I really value communication (laughs) yeah I think that Zach was a big part of that 
Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. that's great. And I always hear that, um, you know, siblings that uh, of kids with special needs often go into those kind of, into that kind of work. And I, I have three daughters and my oldest is 15 and a half and she's talking about, um, she really wants to go into criminal investigation. <laughs> so oh God, I'm like, so wait, cool. <laughs> have I, wait a second, why is it? <laughs> Which I think is really cool, but it just cracks me up because people are like, oh, yeah, you know, there's there's kind of this tendency to go into that line of work. And then my daughter's like, nah, I want to go, um, you know. Yeah, but yeah. it's interesting because she is still going into a line of work possibly that involves understanding the mind and intentions and why people do things. And so in a way, she is going into this kind of personal you know, like the brain. (laughs) So it's pretty cool. Oh, I I like like that. that. Yeah. (laughs) I love, I also love just sibling, the interact, like I think siblings are one of the most beautiful thing. One of the most beautiful thing. I'm so lucky to have siblings because it teaches, that taught me so much. So Uh that's really cool. You have three daughters. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah, sometimes it's awesome. Other times, it's, you know, like <laughs> dinner last night was like, ah, oh <laughs> everybody stop fighting. <laughs> I could only imagine. <laughs> oh. I can only imagine. Uh, so I want to know how people can support your organization and then also how people can get the book and support that as well. And maybe it's yeah. So on the website, uh, zipsapsopenrichment.org, there's a there's donation. It's a 501c3 nonprofit. So it's all, you know, charitable, tax deductible donations. And uh, everything that is donated really goes directly back to the social skills classes, to uh, scholarships, to making more opportunities for uh, children after school, in school, to get this kind of therapy. And we've been teaming up with therapists more. And because it's like a newer approach, a lot of the research and a lot of the collaboration is really, really hands-on right now and not necessarily backed up by, you know, funding other than charity events that we put on. Like my husband's a stand-up comedian and we put on a really big fundraiser back in September And it was awesome because he got like all these big comedians involved and it really helped boost the nonprofit in the right direction. It just took a lot of work to get it going. So (laughs) donations are very much uh, appreciated and used directly with the children we serve. And then the book link is also on there. Um, It's on Amazon as well, but if you buy it directly through the publisher, it's just more direct in general, yes. Amazon always takes a percentage. Yes. So the link is, you know, on the website at www.sipsapsapenrichment.org. And also um, James Partington is Partington Behavior Analysts. That's his company. And the book is on there as well. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. We need more, <laughs> more people like you out in the world doing improv and making conversations and safe spaces for people to have healthy fun communication so you are very appreciated and i'm really excited to put this episode out and to share with this audience what it is that you're doing 